0: Hey, welcome to the Bible Savvy Podcast, a weekly conversation on how to understand, enjoy, and apply God's Word. I'm your host, Nikki Lucas, and I'm joined by Executive Pastor Eric Ferris and our good friend, Kelsey Schrader. She's our Rooted Director and Young Adult Pastor. Kelsey, thanks for joining us today. Yeah, thanks for having me. It's fun to be here. All right. Well, we're about to jump into another passage from the book of Genesis. But before we do, we want to wish all of you a very Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas! Woo! Celebratory noises! Celebratory no-
1: jingle bells! <laughs> because we still do not have budget for sound effects.
0: It's true. It's true. All right. Well, with Christmas coming this week, I want to remind and invite everyone to join us at Christ Community Church as we celebrate the birth of Jesus during our Christmas Eve services. Our services are on December 23rd and 24th. Each of our campuses will be having in-person services, so if you are nearby, you can go to ccclife.org slash crispus to find our locations and service times, or you can watch online on December 23rd and 24th at 2, 5, 7, and 9 p.m. at ccclife.org slash live, or if you're in the Chicagoland area, you can watch on December 24th on CBS2 at 10.35 p.m., that's a fun and great invite opportunity to let your neighbors and friends know that they can watch on CBS. So don't forget about that.
1: Are those my only options?
0: Um, do you want more? <laughs> yes. Holy
1: cow. I could have taken a nap while she was reading all, all those options.
0: <laughs> all right. Well, now for some Christmas fun. I thought it might be fun to share some Christmas traditions with our friends listening. So, Kelsey, do you want to start us off?
2: Yeah. Well, we have a lot of family traditions, but my favorite one uh, is... Christmas morning, we wake up, we have our own Christmas time with our individual families, and then we head over to my grandparents' house, uh, and we gather with aunts, uncles, cousins, all of that. In um, that night, all of us cousins, even when we're full-grown adults now, we still spend the night And get to uh, wake up the next morning with my grandparents and have a big breakfast, all of that fun stuff. We make sure to stay up really late and um, make fun of my grandparents as they fall asleep on the couch. (laughs) But it's a great time, so we'll see if that continues.
1: How many cousins do this?
2: Oh, I mean, we only have like eight cousins. But last year, my sister got married, and so her husband had to join
1: He married into the family and then agreed to come sleep over at grandma's house with all (laughs) the cousins?
2: Yes. Amazing. There was no... He couldn't get out of that.
1: I I feel like COVID is going to challenge this family tradition this year. Mm -hmm. You're not allowed to say whether it is or isn't, are you? I will remain. (laughs) She's not saying anything. All right. (laughs) Eric, what about you? All right. So this tradition started by mistake about 12 years ago, I think, 10 or 12 years ago. I don't know how it happened, but we got done with Christmas Eve services at church, which I've been a pastor my whole adult life. So my family, all my kids grew up, just we go to church every Christmas Eve. I don't know how it happened, but we got done with Christmas Eve service, last, last Christmas Eve service, and my wife and I look at each other, and we realized we had no dinner plans. Like, she had not thought about making dinner at home. We had not made a restaurant reservation. It's Christmas Eve. It's like 9.30 at night. And we're like, oh my gosh, this is the dumbest thing. How did we just totally forget about dinner on Christmas Eve? So we ended up, the only place that was open was a McDonald's in front of our house. So we are all dressed up, like coat, tie, dresses, looking our Christmas best. And we go into McDonald's, and my kids thought this was really fun, to be totally dressed up eating at McDonald's. So it has been since that day, our tradition every Christmas Eve, that in our Christmas best, we go find a fast food restaurant. Or the worst possible restaurant we can find, and we just go and we class up the joint with uh, with our Christmas best on.
0: That's fun. There you go,
1: Nikki. How about you?
0: Uh, one of my traditions has to do with Christmas ornaments uh, that I made when I was a kid, like the ones that you make in kindergarten, first grade out of clay. Uh, I made this uh, little star. I painted it yellow. I sprinkled silver glitter in the paint, and it's it's still it held up pretty well, a little over thirty years later. But my mom has a specific place on the tree where. Uh, this star is supposed to go, and I have to put it there every single year. So she has it wrapped up and neatly put away. She, she cherishes this little star, and she unwraps it and she hands it to me, and she makes me walk over to the tree and put it on every single year. So that's something that uh, that we look forward to doing. That's pretty good. Yeah.
1: Apparently, Clayton Keenan's Christmas tradition. Invo- is involving skipping podcast recordings. If yeah. you're if you're wondering, hey, where'd Clayton go today? Clayton can't be with us today, and that is why we are super grateful that Kelsey jumped in. She yeah. is our emergency podcast partner today. She was uh, a trooper, mm-hmm. and we gave her uh, we gave her the invite about I don't know what four hours, five hours prior to podcast recording time. So that's
0: all. Way time to go, Kelsey!
1: Way to bail out Clayton by showing up for the podcast recording. Oh
0: yeah, I'm a supporter of tradition, so. There you go. We're excited to have you. All right. Well, we're gonna get in today's passage. Eric, tell us what we're talking about today.
1: All right, we are in Genesis chapter 47. We are getting close to the end of this uh lengthy book of the Bible. And uh let me set this up with a little bit of context. C in the comma method is context. So let's uh let's talk a little bit about where we are in the story, right? So uh Joseph's brothers sold him to uh what were they? What were the people he sold them to that were just walking by? A band of men. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. Anyway, their brothers get je- jealous of Joseph. They sell him. Joseph ends up in Egypt. Joseph ends up through a wide variety of circumstances uh, being in power in Egypt. And at a certain point, he is reunited with his brothers. There is reconciliation. Then his brothers say, Oh man, dad needs to know you're still alive. So they go home and they tell dad dad, Joseph is still alive. In fact, he is a man of importance in Egypt. Uh, what's going on, meanwhile, is that a famine is breaking out, and everyone is struggling to find food. And so the whole family, Joseph says, go get dad, bring him back down, and I'll take, I'll take care of them. And God says something interesting to Jacob, who is Joseph's father, uh, because remember, the promise to Abraham's family, so you have Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, Joseph, right, as you, as you track down the family tree, the promise had always been, I'm going to make you a great family, and through your family, I'm going to bless every nation of the world, and I'm giving you a land, a very specific portion of land. And so the promise was always about people and the property, right? It's the land and it's the people and the blessing that's going to happen all over, the, all over the world. So you can imagine when Jacob, who's living in the land of promise, is, is thinking, move to Egypt? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to leave the land that was promised. And here's what God says to Jacob. Uh, he says, I am God, the God of your father. Do not be afraid to go down to Egypt, for I will make you into a great nation there. I will go down to Egypt with you. And I will surely bring you back again. And Joseph's own hand will close your eyes. So God is reassuring Jacob of the promise that he had made to Abraham. And he keeps repeating to various people throughout the generations I've made a promise and I'm going to keep my promise. So, Jacob, go ahead and go to Egypt. I'm still going to make your family into a great nation and I'm going to bring you back to the land. Uh, So Jacob goes with all of the brothers, they go down to Egypt. Uh, Joseph gives them some coaching on what to say to Pharaoh, because this is... Now, this isn't just like Jacob and a few people. This is like a lot of people and everything they have. Like, this is... Think of a migration of people. Like, think of refugees crossing a border. This is a lot of people going to Egypt because they need food. So, Jacob... Jacob. (laughs) Jacob. We're going to just make up a totally different story with new characters. It's not even a hard name. Jacob. (laughs) I'm glad Clayton's not here. He'd make fun of that. Uh, so Joseph coaches all of them, tells them how to talk to Pharaoh. essentially tell them, you're really good at raising livestock, and if he'll just give you some land in the territory of Egypt, he'll let you stay. So they do this. All right. Now here's here's what happens. Where we're going to pick it up and start reading is chapter forty seven verse thirteen. So there is a famine that's happening, and it's getting worse and worse and worse. Now, Joseph's family has relocated to Egypt, and this is what happened, starting in verse 13. There was no food. However, in the whole region, because the famine was severe, both Egypt and Canaan wasted away because of the famine. Joseph collected all the money that was to be found in Egypt and Canaan in payment for the grain they were buying, and he brought it to Pharaoh's palace. When the money of the people of Egypt and Canaan was gone, all Egypt came to Joseph and said, Give us food. Why should we die before your eyes? Our money is used up. Then bring your livestock, said Joseph, and I will sell you food in exchange for your livestock since your money is gone. So they brought their livestock to Joseph, and he gave them food in exchange for their horses, their sheep, their goats, their cattle, and donkeys, and he brought them through that year with food in exchange for all their livestock. So I'll stop here and just point out when it keeps saying Egypt and Canaan, it's all the people in Egypt, and when it keeps saying Canaan, it's all the people that moved down with Jacob from the land of Canaan. When that year was over, they came to him that following year and said, We cannot hide from our Lord the fact that since our money is gone and our livestock belongs to you, there is nothing left for our Lord except our bodies and our land. Why should we perish before your eyes, we and our land as well? Buy us and our land in exchange for food, and we with our land will be in bondage to Pharaoh. Give us seed so that we may live and not die, and that the land may not become desolate. So Joseph bought all the land in Egypt for Pharaoh. The Egyptians, one and all, sold their fields because the famine was too severe for them. The land became Pharaoh's and Joseph reduced the people to servitude from one end of Egypt to the other. However, he did not buy the land of the priests because they received a regular allotment from Pharaoh and had food enough from the allotment Pharaoh gave them. That is why they did not sell their land. And Joseph said to the people, Now that I have bought you and your land today for Pharaoh, here is seed for you so you can plant the ground. But when the crop comes in, give a fifth of it to Pharaoh. The other four fifths you may keep as seed for the fields and as food for yourselves and your households and your children. You have saved our lives, they said. May we find favor in the eyes of our Lord. We will be in bondage to Pharaoh. So Joseph established it as a law concerning land in Egypt, still in force today, that a fifth of the produce belongs to Pharaoh. It was only the land of the priests that did not become pharaohs. Now the Israelites settled in Egypt in the region of Goshen. They acquired property there and were fruitful and increased greatly in number. Jacob lived in Egypt seventeen years, and the years of his life were a hundred and forty-seven. When the time drew near for Israel to die, which is Jacob, he called for his son Joseph and said to him, If I have found favor in your eyes, put your hand under my thigh and promise that you will show me kindness and faithfulness. Do not bury me in Egypt, but when I rest with my fathers, carry me out of Egypt and bury me where they are buried. I will do as you say, he said. Swear to me, he said. Then Joseph swore to him, and Israel worshipped as he leaned on the top of his staff. All right, so let's uh, move on to the O in the comma method, which is observations. What observations jump out to you guys?
2: I think right away uh, you see the desperation of people once hardship hits, like in um, verse 15, where they all of a sudden have to, or they're just looking for food. They want something. And you see them as you go through the passage that they sell everything they have. They sell, or they give away their money. They sell their animals themselves. It's, it's pretty incredible um, how much they give up.
1: Yeah, can you imagine being in that scenario where yeah. you you're just trying to figure out how to get food. Yeah. You know, for your kids, for your I mean, your livestock. I was thinking about this when I was reading it, the observation that jumped out to me was along those lines. Selling your livestock is kind of like a a double smart move. Because you're getting something in exchange for the livestock, and now you don't have to feed the livestock, right? Right? So I can see as you're bargaining in your head, what do I need to do to keep my family fed? Mm -hmm. I can see you going to that move really fast.
2: Yeah. Yeah.
0: Yeah, And what I noticed too is uh, up till now, Joseph has done like a a ton of good, like saving people from famine, right? Like he's using his gifts of administration and leadership to, to confidently lead the people through... Uh, this devastating process. But as the devastation continues to increase, Joseph keeps increasing the measure in which he is trying to provide relief. And so, like, the people come and he does one thing and he, he, okay, I'll take all the money. Okay, Mm -hmm. then I'll take all the livestock. Okay, I'll take all the land. Okay, I'll take you too. And then we end up in, you know, God's people ending up in bondage and slavery, essentially, uh, to this Ungodly ruler, you know Pharaoh, like they're 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 in Egypt now, and that's it. Like okay, now yeah, what? That's it. That's it. Except it's not <laughs> it. It's, that's if it. you keep reading the Bible, you keep right? reading, so, right?
1: So if you go back to, um, it it just kept ringing in my ears when before Jacob agreed to go down to Egypt to be reunited with his youngest son Joseph, he's thinking I'm going to leave the land that God promised me, right? And God reminds him, no, like, this really is the land I promised you. I really am going to make your family into a great nation. It's in Egypt that I'm going to do it.
2: Mm-hmm, mm-hmm.
1: And I'm going to bring you back, right? So God reassures him of the promise that he made. But Can you imagine making that journey? And yeah. all you have to hang on to is God promising you something. All of your circumstances are screaming something completely different. Yeah. To the point that you're selling yourself at that. You know, like, it, it gets to a point... I don't I don't know like you use the word oh you were talking about Pharaoh being ungodly,
0: yeah, 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 that's what I meant
1: you know joseph if I put myself in Joseph's shoes, which i when I was trying to like make observations about this text, on one hand, you could say he's a savvy businessman, administrative guess which which he was, obviously he was the one that figured out a way to store all the yep, all the right, grain yeah. so that Egypt was in a place of power when the famine hit right. But the, everyone was offering really all they had, yeah. right? And so he's just, in exchange for the food, he's just taking whatever they have to offer. Um, now, now, of course, like putting people in servitude, like <laughs> that, that seems so foreign to us. But how far is it really removed from like payday loan places like you know when when you're like all i have is my next paycheck i don't even have my next paycheck yet or all or you go to a pawn shop you're like this is all i have and you're in this situation where you're willing to take whatever someone is willing to offer in exchange for whatever you have cuz you're in this really difficult predicament yeah um man i was i was trying to i was trying to feel that as i was reading the reading the text yeah cuz all you have think about man i'm All you have is that promise.
2: Right. And it's not even just getting one person to buy into that and say, I'm going to cling to this promise, but it's a massive amount of people that are all saying, we don't have anything. We are willing to give away everything to cling to God's promises. Mm
1: -hmm. So if you're you're in that predicament and you ask the question, how are we ever going to go back to the land that God promised us? The answer is a resounding, I, I don't know. Yeah, yeah, no. <laughs> there is nothing in this story that makes you want to believe what God said to them.
0: Right. Yeah. Well, it, it's interesting because, I mean, later, later on there at the end of the text, the fact that they were in bondage didn't seem to have a, um, a, a big effect on them right away, right? Because it says that uh, now the Israelites settled in Egypt in the region of Goshen. They acquired property there and they were fruitful and increased greatly in number. That's, again, that's God blessing them you know what I mean? And, and mm-hmm. fulfilling that promise, it's not until way later that we learn that actually it didn't, it didn't end well for them until... Like, it, it didn't last, you know what I mean?
1: Right. So when they moved to... So Goshen, we didn't read that portion of this reading today in the podcast, but Goshen was a nice area in Egypt. Mm-hmm. And so if you're going to move somewhere with, with a lot of people and all your livestock... This would, be, this would be the place you would want to live. And because Joseph is in power, obviously the Israelites are receiving favor from the political structure. Right. right. So yes, they're living through the famine. Yes, this is terrible for everybody. Probably not quite as terrible for the Israelites because Joseph is the one in power.
2: Mm-hmm. Right. right.
1: What happens later on in the story as you keep reading the Bible is the people in power change.
0: Right. And so that's... now
1: all of a sudden, all of the Israelites are in Egypt but they don't have Joseph looking out for them anymore, mm-hmm. nor do they have a Pharaoh that's looking upon them favorably.
2: Right. Yeah. So the
1: whole story twists. Um, all right, any other observations about this text or questions before we move on to the first M?
0: You know, I think one thing that we didn't, uh, we didn't really touch on because it's in, it's in the first part of the passage in, in uh, uh, 40, 47, earlier in 47, before we talked about the famine, but it's, it's just that the reunion between, uh, Joseph and Jacob, his father, uh, just how, how powerful a reunion that was after all those years of having them been separated from each other. Um, you know, it, Jacob, when he sees Joseph, uh, Joseph throws his arms around him and literally weeps and then Jacob's like, now I can die. Cause I, I know that you're <laughs> yeah. still alive. Like you read that in the passage and I just think like, watch what kind of overwhelming relief the two of them have like felt in that moment it was such, such a, uh, a powerful moment. And then you quickly see Joseph just like, in spite of everything, you think of like what kind of emotions that might've triggered for him, you know, like seeing his dad, not only this overwhelming relief, but like You ever think of like when he saw his dad, maybe like all the the memories of like why he's been separated from his dad for so long, like just all of a sudden, like just started going in his mind, but that he still doesn't stop. He doesn't let that stop him from moving forward, you know? And so then you see him just go and here, I'm going to get, I'm going to get you guys the the best of the land and I'm going to provide food for all of you. It's just this incredible story of forgiveness and. And kindness and graciousness. Yeah, yeah.
1: He probably had a few years to process it all, and yeah. um, he probably watched Dr. Phil enough <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> to have all of the coping mechanisms necessary yeah. to, to deal with it. All right. So we're moving on to the uh, first M in the comma Method, which is uh, meditation, where it's just prayerful thinking. And so every podcast episode, we take 45 seconds to prayerfully think about the text that we're discussing for the day. And so here's a thought to set up our our time of meditation. Uh, We read the promise that God made to Jacob. Jacob, I'm still going to make your family. Great. And Jacob, yes, this is the land I promised. I will bring you back. Then everything about their circumstances says something different. But then as we keep reading the story, it does tell us that the Israelites grew in number. And then we get to the end. Jacob tells Joseph, please swear to me that you're going to bring me back and bury me in the land. And so we see a promise that God makes to to Jacob. You have all the circumstances that seem to be saying something else. But then the story tells us the very things that God promised Jacob are in fact happening. So here's what we're going to meditate on today. What do you do when what God says is very different than what your circumstances are saying? Let's think about that for 45 seconds. What do you do when what God says is very different than what your circumstances are saying? Okay, so we're moving on to the second M in the comma method, which is message, which is where we try to boil this down to, uh, you know, in the Bible-savvy books, it says try to think of it like a, uh, like a, a slogan, uh, a company motto, something like that. So, one sentence on the message from this text. What do you got, Kelsey?
2: Well, uh, the meditation actually jumps into my message. Um, because the faithfulness of Jacob and Joseph jumped out to me. And so my, my message would be to not allow what is in front of you to distract you from the promises and faithfulness of God. Because you see all of the mess that is going on uh, for Jacob, the Israelites, and Joseph, and they do not lose track of God's faithfulness. They don't let the famine, uh, the desperation, the desolation to distract them from the promises. So don't let your current circumstances to distract you, to remove your gaze from God's promises.
1: Mm, gaze, that's a good word. It is a good mm. word.
0: This is why we have her on the podcast. Yeah. Right
1: on. What do you got, Nikki?
0: Um, you know, I was I was latching on to... Um, just all of the relational dynamics in the passage um, and just thinking about sometimes, you know, and I think of it too, like just with this Christmas season, like we could be facing a lot of circumstances with family or even close friends where um, the circumstances are different than what than what we'd like or uh, different than, we'll say, what uh, God would have them be for us, you know, what we're choosing or whatever. But, um, my, the thing that I, that I focused in on was forgiveness comes through faithfulness. And so whether that's uh family dynamics that are off or, uh, harboring hurt feelings or a bitterness, a resentment towards, uh, the way our circumstances are, um, Forgiveness comes through faithfulness. And this is what I mean for this. Joseph was faithful in doing what was right in God's eyes, even if it meant him uh, doing the hard things. Okay. So for instance, he forgave his family. He forgave his family, even though they did wrong by him, his brothers. Uh, But I bet that wasn't easy for him. Just like you said, it took him a long time to process. And I think what that means is that it's not always going to be easy for us. Uh, But uh, especially when you're dealing with really difficult people or situations. But I think if we talk to God and we share our feelings with Him about the people and the, the difficult circumstances and situations that we're facing in life, and we look to His faithfulness to help us through it, uh, He'll eventually bring some resolve and some, some re- forgiveness to our situation when we place it in His faithful hands. And so for me, forgiveness comes through faithfulness. Mm. That's good.
1: That is good gonna be better than what i've got uh because i feel like and i think it's probably what the book of genesis is trying to do every time we read any portion of genesis you keep seeing the promise of god and the trajectory of the promise of god happening even though the circumstances are straight crazy like how many crazy stories have we read Uh, as we've gone through Genesis and done these podcast episodes. And so you see all the weirdness of humanity, and you see all the circumstances that are going all over the place, and yet you keep seeing this very simple thread of what God said he's gonna do is exactly what God is doing. And so that almost becomes a fun game of like, well, how's he gonna keep doing it? Because this is pretty messed up. Mm -hmm. Um, And so it kind of sets you up as you... as as the Bible now starts turning from the book of Genesis to the book of Exodus, uh, and, and we start seeing a, a, the same trajectory with a whole a whole different set of uh, characters and circumstances. So, all right, so now we move on to application. This is where we ask the important question, so what? So you've read the text, and you've made observations, and you've prayerfully thought about it, and you've you've tried to ask yourself, what is the message of this text? What is this text communicating to me? And then you ask the question, so what? So what am I going to do about this? So, Kelsey, since you are our guest, you go first.
2: Yeah, well, from my message, my application would really be to ask myself uh, what around me, what relationships, circumstances, trials, whatever it may be, what is it fighting for my gaze, Uh, naming those things, and not just acting that they don't exist, but really bringing them in light of God's promises and faithfulness um, and, and really acknowledging the fact that there are things around me that can take away my gaze, um, but to not get lost in the mess of that and to not get lost in the instability that each day can, can really bring, whether it be a good day or a bad day, uh, but to name those and to, to really stake my claim on the unshakable ground uh, that God's faithfulness and His promises bring, um, and really rooting myself in that.
1: All right. Well, since Kelsey's application was awesome, and she has been an awesome <laughs> guest, we're going to let her application rule the day. So Nikki, bring us home.
0: I agree. Kelsey, thank you so much for joining us. Yeah, thanks
2: for having me. It's been a great time.
0: All right, well, before we let you go, I have a quick question. So you're the Rooted and Young Adult pastor. We all know what young adults are, but can you tell us what Rooted is?
2: Yeah, I would be happy to. Well, Rooted is an exciting discipleship experience for anyone new to the church or new to the faith. It's really the place for someone to learn about, to experience, and really become a disciple of Christ to have their life be transformed by the freedom that Jesus brings, and to learn who they are and whose they are. Uh, so I'm really excited for it. I'm excited for people uh, to learn how to root their identity in Christ and to to just watch the way that that transforms our church, our community, and really impacts the kingdom of God. So get ready. This was an early teaser Uh, But Rooted will be here soon. It's coming to us after Easter 2021. So
0: be looking for all things Rooted. Yeah, we're excited for that. All right. Well, that is all that we have for you today, friends. Once again, we hope that you have a Merry Christmas and that you'll join us next Monday. We'll be walking through another passage. And in the meantime, if you're not following along with the reading plan, check out BibleSavvy.com to download it and to start reading along. Don't forget to join us for Christmas Eve services and don't forget to subscribe on whatever platform you're listening on. Tell your friends and we'll talk to you next week.